Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be the first of a three-part series in trying to convey to you in a quick form and useful form the history of the latter rain movement of the Sam 5 move of God, body of Christ move of God, and related or not related movements. This is somewhat challenging because in the first place I want to make this understandable and it's necessary because to convey to you adequately the doctrine preached in a correct fashion, it is also important to convey to you something about the history so that the mistakes or possible even atrocities, grave errors, are not reproduced. Because my assignment was to re-preach this thing and to do it fulsomely in an organized fashion, orderly, and biblically. And of course, that's going to be also in an orthodox manner. And there have been some non-orthodox teachings to the point where th the name of this is assumed that it is non-orthodox. So that's one. Two is I've tried in this whole thing not to call people out. I want to be respectful of those people who stepped up to trying to do something new. And anytime somebody is going to do something new, they may make mistakes. And if somebody falls down in trying to learn how to walk, then one can't criticize them for that. And further, even if people have made grave errors that they should have known better, still, it's not my job to be calling them out. That's not the issue. The issue is to try to get this thing done correctly. And vilification, I've already spoken about. So I'm going to try to avoid that. And also, then there are some friends that I don't just want to make angry with me, or just even barely acquaintances, nevertheless. So this is really minefield territory. And I'm not a professional historian at this point, and this is not an academic historical treatise. I do have some personal observation, and I was personally involved in some of this, but not all my life, and so relatively it's a small window. So I'm going to give you the benefit of what I know in a short form, and hopefully in a way that will be useful to you. And I've I've made a uh, previous attempt at this. I think this is going to have to be three audio tracks. One will be a brief introduction to the latter rain. A second one will be a flyover of the history of the move. And a third will be a discussion of related and not related movements. Okay, so we are going then to jump into discussion of the latter rain movement. The latter rain movement was started New Year's Eve, 1948 in North Battleford, Saskatchewan at the Sharon Bible College and Orphanage, Saskatchewan, Canada. Leaders were George Houghton, 
H-A-W-T-I-N, Percy Hunt, and later George Warnock. Percy Hunt and George Houghton were pastors in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, P-A-O-C, and they were on the faculty. The school was founded by Herrick Holt, who was a pastor of the Church of the Foursquare Gospel, but his name has not been associated in history with the Latter Rain Movement. He was the founder, however, of of the Church of the Foursquare Gospel in North Battleford, and he was joined by Houghton and Hunt uh, in founding the Bible College. I would strongly urge you not to use Wikipedia as your source for learning about the history because I have found numerous real errors there in this particular article even though it's going to come up first in your search engine do not use that use a church a church site or sites and I will tell you that if you look in Wikipedia in several articles having to do with evangelist that time period or today, you're going to find an editorial bias. And my students will argue with me, oh no, it's cloud sourced. Well, cloud sourced or not, there is an editorial bias. And I happen to run into an editor who works for Wikipedia and he confirmed this. If it, your own observation isn't rather uh, clear on this matter. so. There are a lot of terms that have recently been introduced into the Wikipedia article that have nothing to do with latter rain and a lot to do with some of the movements that have been started and uh, spread in the last couple of decades. So move along and find a better source. Okay, so we are in 1948 in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. What's going on in the 40s is a lot of healing revivals. So you can think about uh, names, uh, a lot of whom were associated with Gordon Lindsay, who was a publisher, but Oral Roberts was perhaps the most famous, A.A. Allen, and Branham. Branham was somewhat less orthodox in his teaching. He was associated with the United Pentecostals. Okay, all of them came out of what was already established in terms of the Pentecostal movement, which is usually credited uh, with being started at Azusa Street in the early 1900s. And not unconnected is the Church of God founding, which actually was before that, in about 1880, and Sperling is often associated with that founding, and they want to say that they're part of the charismatic movement. I have read that history thoroughly, and Sperling is not connected with this this uh, latter reign nor do I find that term used in the history that I have read. So, but yes, they're part of the Pentecostal movement, clearly, absolutely no argument about that. 
And the Pentecostal movement itself came out of the holiness movement, which itself came out of the preaching of Wesley. And as far as I can tell, in what history I know, in the theology I know, Wesley was the first person to preach perfection. And he was talking about sinless perfection, meaning sanctification. And that's where the holiness movements, the holiness denominations came from. And Pentecostalism came generally out of that. And healing revivalists came generally out of that. And that is the context for the latter rain movement. Branham was seeing a lot of healings and also was seeing prophecy in his meetings. Particularly, he was known for for two things. One is the healings, and secondly, for talking about angels coming, talking to him in that process. And so the faculty and students decided to fast and pray for an outbreak of God's gifting in a way like Branham. And they were there praying on New Year's Eve, and it wasn't healings that broke out, but prophecy. And this doctrine of fivefold ministry, well, of prophecy first, which is not discontinuous with any of the Pentecostal doctrine is just that they had up until that time been focused on tongues. It's not discontinuous, but prophecy. But then also fivefold ministry, a la Ephesians 4 and 11, and then also sonship, or that we would grow up to be like Jesus. Of course, also in that passage in Ephesians 4. And some never die. And so this is really, we're getting into sonship. If you take holiness and healing to their nth degree, you've got sonship, manifested sons of God. And and never die was still by some old preachers when I lived in Alberta in the late 70s, early 80s. There were still people who believed in never die from this root of the latter rain who were in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada or the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, although that wasn't the major preaching. (laughs) It's not what they were preaching, but there were still some that believed that, remembered that from this, uh, this experience in North Battleford. Not surprisingly, the PAOC, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, were not pleased. And they saw this group as as uh, rebels. And the Assemblies of God, which would be the United States denomination, um, put out a statement that they thought that pre-tribulational premillennialism was correct doctrine. And so the manifested son's teaching was not embraced by the major Pentecostal denominations. The leaders were Percy Hunt and George Houghton. And then in 1949, they were joined by George Warnock. So Houghton and Earn Houghton, his brother, 
were evangelists for the movement and traveled preaching and spread the word. And they were continuing to do this into the early 70s and that I know about. And Warnock joined them in 49. And although I don't have confirmation, it appears to me from what I have seen that Warnock had been uh, associated with Ern Baxter, who had been associated with Branham. Anyway, George Warnock wrote a number of books, including The Feast of Tabernacles in 1951, also A Shining Light um, that was about the, the uh, typological understanding of the high priest garments. And these books were highly influential, and we'll see them come up again in, when I talk about Sam Five movement. Okay, so they had typological preaching, and the feast and the high priest garments were a great portion of that. So um, an understanding of spiritual maturity was derived from that. It became a hortatorial. Okay, so hortatory. All right, uh, later we had other preachers who uh, were part of the movement, particularly Bill Britton. Bill Britton ministry still has a side, although, of course, Bill Britton himself has passed, but the Bill Britton, Bill Britton ministry still has a site in which they still make available his tapes and booklets. And you'll see there that he makes reference to George Warnock's writings. Britain's most famous books might be Eagle Saints. It was a booklet I remember well. And Jesus the Pattern Son. So clearly they were teaching a, a, a idea that people could do better than simply being uh, sinners saved by grace and repeating the same patterns, but they could move into uh, greater spiritual maturity. And this was the center of what I knew about. Certainly, they believed that included miracles and so forth but and healing, but that was not the center focus. Okay, and then later in early 70s, they split, or, or actually it would have been Sam Five split from them, particularly at the time when Sam Five began to teach the wilderness message. Then the, the usually there were house churches, as far as I knew about, would split and those who were affiliated with Sam Fife would split off from those who were affiliated with Bill Britton and I was there when that happened in Houston. Now, there were some groups that were large enough that they needed to rent buildings like Dallas or Canton, Ohio. So what else can I tell you? A little bit about doctrine. So if you have a five-fold ministry, in short, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is a different, a different organization than pastors, district executives, or bishops. 
this is not a, a democratically organized denomination like perhaps you might think of in the Presbyterian. And it's, it's certainly more Episcopal, but they're certainly not going to use that term. So some people would be apostles. So apostles would be the people who were traveling around, or at least the most respected of the traveling ministry. And the local people who were pastoring would be pastors. And there was an understanding of a corporate ministry, whereas in the more traditional church, you have one pastor, or if you have more, then you have one senior pastor and uh, an assistant or an associate, where if you have fivefold ministry, you would typically have more than one recognized leader in a location. And this has been criticized by some as ministry by committee. I don't know how this worked out in the, the latter rain movement. But clearly you're going to have more than just the pastors. You're going to have prophets. And if you have prophets, then if they're really well embraced, then this is going to change your stance toward revelation and your ecclesiology. Now, the prophetic that came out of the latter reign was not the kind of personal prophecy that has erupted in the past couple uh, or two and a half decades. Yes, completely different from Bickle and Redding. So, the prophets of the latter reign were there to confirm the word. And clearly this is very, very, very clearly taught in the move. So prophetic, yes. And prophetic revelation, not so much word of knowledge or personal direction. However, there was a sense in which personal direction was used. And that is that people, once they had a leading... And once they had approval from the ministry, then they could, the, the ministry would, meaning the pastors, would seek uh, some visions from the prophets. Now, that's how it worked in the move. Don't know how it worked in the latter reign, but I'm uh, fairly certain <laughs> that the, the prophets were used to confirm the word. And so, if that's the case, then... You've got apostles and prophets. Apostles and prophets. And you'll hear that, that terminology. And of course, that's the order in which it's put in the Bible. So this is not loose canon prophets. And it's not people going and uh, getting personal words. That's much more modern. So you have fivefold ministry. You have a variety of people seeking the Lord and working together. That's what fivefold ministry means. Then you have some version of sonship, meaning that we can become perfect and be more like Jesus. So, of course, that has to be in line with an ex extant doctrine of miracles. So, Jesus went about doing good, healing people, casting out demons 
and gave his disciples the authority to do that. And so unless you've got an extant movement of healing and casting out demons, then sonship really doesn't make a lot of sense. But sonship is more focused on holiness, becoming perfect. And that's why, of course, I chose to start with Wesley's doctrine of sinless perfection. Then there have there has been some conversation about what constitutes an apostle, and I, different people might have different opinions on that. Um, generally, the move has not been as interested in the credentials of miracles as in the credentials of revelation. Okay, and then if you've got healing and being like Jesus, then you're going to end up with never die. And there are, of course, literal passages in the Bible that one could use. Of course, you've got Luke 11, where Jesus says, he who believes in me will never die. And so this never die doctrine came out in the North Battleford Latter Rain Movement. And, of course, that depends upon a understanding of healing and faith and holiness. Just as, as today, you're going to find Pentecostal holiness churches where people are going to say, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm going to believe God. And if I die, bless God. Okay, so they're going to stand in faith for their healing and then there won't be ever any occasion to die. <laughs> All right. And so what does latter rain movement mean? Latter rain harks back to the Joel 2 passage that all Pentecostals use. That this that you have the former and the latter rain. And so when Peter on the day of Pentecost refers to Joel, then somebody in 19 hundred nineteen forty eight or two thousand and twenty is probably going to look at the day of Pentecost as the former rain and the latter rain would be the outpouring of the Spirit at the end of the church age before Jesus comes back. Because pre trib or not, everybody in this discussion is premillennial. Jesus hasn't come back. We saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit along with signs, wonders, and revelations at the beginning of the church age. And so, of course, this is the end of the church age. And then we're, we're seeing an outpouring again. So this must mirror. The end must be like the beginning. We must be mirroring. Further, Jesus said that you will do like works and even greater works than these. And so there you have it. That's the latter rain. Oh, and incidentally, they tended to have conventions on the major holidays. Okay, so that's it. Now you have a brief understanding of the latter rain movement, and that's going to be important for you to understand the Sam Five body of Christ move of God and anything that I have said <laughs> in terms of re-preaching sonship message. Okay, hope that's helpful. I'm going to put this on a website so that you will have an opportunity, thank, to 
to make comments, to add your histories, and uh, certainly you may email me questions. Be happy to take those. I don't purport to know a whole lot, you know, an extreme amount. I wasn't there in 1948. There are some people still alive who were, and their children, and there are some good histories. Okay. Thank you very much.